to the Built on Air podcast, the variety show for all things Airtable. Each episode, we cover four different segments. It's always fresh and different and lots of fun while you get the insider info on all things Airtable. Our hosts and guests are some of the most senior experts in the Airtable community. Join us live each week on our YouTube channel every Tuesday at 11 a.m. Eastern. And join our active community at builtonair.com join. Before we begin, a word from our sponsor, OntoAir.com. Any business running on Airtable gets the value that Airtable has, but also needs a few more functions to complete their operations. That's where OntoAir comes in. It's a suite of tools for any business running on Airtable to maximize your operations efficiencies and automations. One customer, John, states that OntoAir enables his business to function properly without having to think about building their own software. And that is pretty invaluable. The OntoAir Airtable apps are amazing and we use them often and are very happy with the results. So join John and hundreds more customers and take your Airtable to the next level with OntoAir. Sign up today with promo code BUILTONAIR for a 10% discount. Check them out at OntoAir.com. And now let's check out today's episode and see what we built on air. Welcome back to the Built on Air podcast. This is episode four of season 15. Good to be with you. We've got the the original gang with us today. Dan, myself, Ali, and Camille back as always. Good to have you. Hello. So we like um, when we don't have a guest, we like to have some fun. We're going to have some fun today going through a couple different things and keep you up to date. I'll walk through what we're going to be doing today. We always start with our round the bases to get you up to date on everything Airtable and what people are chatting about. And then we'll talk about on to air. We'll have some updates for you today on that. And then we're going to talk about um, automations, how to put a pause in your automation if needed. And we'll talk about that use case. And we're going to um, revisit Web Clipper. I think we I did this a while back, but it wasn't working. And so I've always wanted to revisit it. It's my favorite app that I use. And so it's worth talking about again. And then a shout out to our community. And then we're going to end with something we don't do very often, but it's always fun. Uh, Air Chefs, Ali and Camille are going to go head to head. I'm going to give them a challenge. I actually just gave it to them and they'll be working on it throughout the show. And then we'll come together at the end and they're going to show off what they built in just a few minutes. So that will be fun. All right. With our round the bases, uh, let's see what we've got going on. Saw on X or Twitter, Airtable announced a new feature alert and uh, list views in your interfaces. And I believe um, there's also a link to them talking about it, but I'll show this quick little video so you can kind of see it in action. So if you're using the list view, you can now add groupings. That's really nice. I That was something I think that was sorely missed when it first came out. Um, seemed to be replaced by the hierarchy option, um, which now you can do both, which is really nice. The hierarchy required there to be a linked record between um, the two groups of information. And that's also really nice because you can display data from two different tables. Um, but now you can simply just group the records on the same table, which is what you could do with every other grid view. So yeah, really nice. Yeah. Can you, you can do this in the, in the data layer with list views I, or no? It can, I feel like, I don't know. It'd be weird if you couldn't, let's test. Yeah, let's try it. I hope so. I, I, I really, uh, I love Airtable's consistent about their rollouts, but we all know that that doesn't always happen. You can, yeah. you can, I just yeah. tested. Great. Yeah. It'd have been really weird <laughs> if you could yeah yeah so my uh, comment there i asked if you were uh if they were planning on allowing you to expand all and collapse all the groups because right now if you right click it um sort of nothing happens and they're saying that there's something that they're working on so that's nice because you could do nice. that with um grid views and so it just you know i have a lot of i'm working with a lot of data nowadays um 
great that I can group and soon I'll be able to sort of collapse everything down, which is awesome. Very yeah. nice. Yeah, good stuff. Something so is yeah, that's, um, I... oh, go ahead. No, no, my bad. I, I was just gonna say something a client pointed out to me the other day that I actually hadn't realized is, and maybe it's not in the list view that is an issue, but in the grid view on interfaces, it doesn't freeze the panes like it does in the database. So when you scroll up and down on the list or on a grid, you still see the header at the very top. But in interfaces, that does not happen. Oh, wow. Which is a little frustrating because people are like, wait, what am I looking at? Yeah. Yeah. Right, right now, my number one sort of complaint with uh, interfaces, and this includes the new uh, detail pages, is being able to see enough stuff at a single uh, moment and not having freezing of the, um, you know, what the column names are. That's a problem. If you have a grid on a newer detail page, you can't freeze additional columns because it thinks you want to drag the whole section. Yeah. Um, and then like, just not, it takes up such a small amount of space on the screen where that you want a larger amount of data shown. So that it's all interconnected, the inability to sort of see what you want to see. Whereas in the data view, uh, I think all of those that I just listed are sort of already taken care of. So disappointing. Absolutely. Another thing that bothers me with the list is you can't like copy a value and drag it down the whole column or like select more than one at a time um, yeah. to copy it. Yeah. Yeah. Actually, I just ran into that the other day. <laughs> yeah. Right. Because you can do it on the normal grid. But, yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah, it's like list view looks pretty. Yes. But if I want to get stuff done, I want to use a grid. But if yeah. I want to see more, if to your point, Allie, if I want to see info from table A and table B at the same time, a list view will let me do that, but a grid view won't. So I I want a perfect middleman between the two. Yes. Like I want, I want grid to look exactly how it works with the addition of hierarchy. But I realize that might be difficult to accomplish, which is why they probably haven't done it yet. However, there's aside from adding grouping, which is great, glad that they did it. There's a couple of things about this view that I think can continue to be worked on. I know. I think my favorite thing about list view is besides how nice it looks is that you can hide the primary field. Great, Love wonderful, very useful. Even yeah. the uh, prefix field, I don't use it a whole lot, but every now and again, if I have a checkbox, that's very useful for my end users to see, yeah, this one is done, I can ignore it and all that kind of stuff. So again, a perfect middleman. <laughs> it's just every now so and again, close. I want both. Yeah, yeah, so close, so close. All right, we'll move on. Uh, next one also comes from the Airtable community. Um, friend of the show, Kavan, posted this. This is just kind of informational. I thought it was good. We're sharing if you're using Airtable as a digital asset management tool. Um, they have a blog post. I don't know if this is a recent one. I think it's been around for a while. Oh, no, it is new. Okay. Yeah. So, like three um, days ago. Yep, yep. Yeah, so a blog post on how to use how to use uh, Airtable as a DAM stands for Digital Asset Management, um, and so it kind of talks about how to use it. She kind of critiques it or gives feedback on on uh, shortcomings of using Airtable as a as a DAM and um, gives some insights into how you might think about it. So if you are using Airtable as a digital asset management tool. Um, read the blog post, but also read Kavan's uh, extension to get more insights into how it works in the real world as she yeah. has experienced. Yeah. Love it. All right, moving on to Reddit. A uh, question that somebody posed, when is Airtable AI dropping? Um, and so this is interesting. Somebody does say late August is what they've heard. 
Um, I, yeah, I haven't heard a specific date, um, but excited for that as well. So if you're looking or waiting for Airtable AI, apparently according to Meme2, which is definitely credible, uh, late August is when it's out there. Next one, um, just a shout out to Chris Dancy, who's also a friend of the show, run, helps run um, with Ben Green, the Facebook community. Looks like he's putting on an event and he's looking for speakers. So if you have a cool thing that you can share, um, he's doing a no code and AI developer conference that looks pretty interesting. And uh, they're looking for paid speakers for that. So Ali, Camille, there you go. Another conference you can go to. I'm just not an AI person. I have nothing of value to say. When is this? Um, if you click read more, yeah. October 19th and 20th in Menlo Park. So I think I will be a little bit busy at that. Yeah. Time. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Why don't you speak? I know. Um, yeah. I, for anybody that has not heard already, I guess I'll use that as an announcement time real quick. I am expecting my first child in October. So right exciting. Around these dates, right? Yeah. So won't be able to speak at the conference, but I wish everybody the best of luck and hope they have a great time. Yep. Yep. So that makes your decision easy. Yeah. All right. Next one. Um, Okay, this is on the uh, table forums, air.tableforums.com. Good conversation there. This is always worth bringing up, I think. Um, you know, obviously we're, we're Airtable fans, but there's, there's definitely other options, other solutions out there. And I think it's good to be aware of, of what the alternatives are. Um, this is a really good thread on the table forums site about SmartSuite, which is a pretty probably as close of a direct competitor as there is out there to Airtable um, in my perspective. And this is actually somebody, Avi, um, who I've actually met um, is, is just kind of, you know, making it aware to the community. I think he got Scott's permission to share this, but good, good conversation of, of the good and bad uh, of Airtable and how it compares to smart suite. Um, so if you're looking for an alternative or you want to see what else is out there, this is a good thread to, to read up on and see if it's worth. Um, and it looks like they have like an import tool or they're coming out with an import tool from Airtable. So that's out there. Uh, my personal, I've, I've played with it. It's good. Um, it definitely has some things that I wish Airtable had, but vice versa. There's some things in Airtable that, that SmartSuite doesn't have. So, Fortunately, there's just no perfect tool out there. So you got to kind of play with the give and takes of each, but it, it's definitely worth trying out if, if you're not happy with Airtable. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and uh, Melanie says it's a bit laggy. Mm -hmm. I don't know if she's talking about SmartSuite or, or our feed, I don't know. <laughs> I would hope SmartSuite, <laughs> but yeah, I, I do wonder, you know, we talked about, I think it was last episode, uh, Airtable has outages every now and again, and it's down for like 10 minutes, 30 minutes or something for a, a particularly big one. But that happens not necessarily frequently. Um, yeah, she clarifies that she's talking about SmartSuite being like, um, I wonder if for SmartSuite, I haven't used it with, a you know, for a long uh, extended period of time for me to notice. I do wonder, is it like, every day it feels laggy or is it like Airtable where it has, you know, some downtime where ideally it would have none, but I do wonder how laggy is it? Because that would annoy me, especially if I'm rebuilding a bunch of systems and I'm in it and doing a lot of constructing work. Um, the lag isn't necessarily great, but I do know from Gareth Bonobos, he really likes the pricing structure of SmartSuite as compared to Airtable. So, you know, you're charged more for the amount of data you have versus the number of users. So it feels more, you know, in line with 
all right, let me bring my team in. And if I need to store more stuff, then I have to pay for more stuff, not necessarily more people working with the same amount of data. Yeah. Yeah, that's fair. Yeah. And I think it's good to, to talk about it because it's only going to make Airtable better because if they feel the heat of people leaving their product for, for SmartSuite, then they'll address the reasons. Hopefully they'll address the reasons that people are leaving. So competition is good. Um, but it is crazy to think that they started in 2022. So they've only been around a year and a half or so. And um, they, they have definitely cranked out a ton of features. So yeah, they're pushing out stuff. All right, there's Smart Suite. What else we got also from the table um, forums? Um, this was kind of a question. I think we've talked about this in the past. Airtable is planning to remove element-based interfaces. So there's uh, on the docs page, I was hoping it, it linked to it, but um, it says, uh, while inner element-based interface layouts are still currently available, we invite you to try the newer table-based interfaces. Can one of you explain that? That's so. Hold on. Go ahead, Ali. I'll I'll pull up a <laughs> okay. screen and then start sharing. Yeah, perfect. Um, so when you first go to make an interface, there's two groupings of the layouts that they allow you to choose from to begin with. The very top is like. It gives you, you know, choose from a list layout, a grid layout, Kanban gallery, or sorry, there's no grid, but exactly what, uh, um, I almost just called you Kavan. What Camille was just pointing out there. Um, those are the table-based layouts. So when you pick one of those, you can't actually drag additional elements onto the page, which is something that drives me absolutely insane. So this update does not sound like something I am happy about. Um, whereas the bottom that Camille's pointing yeah. out now, those are all the element-based layouts and they're very customizable. You can drag lists, galleries, calendars, timelines onto those pages in addition to other elements like custom text, um, divider lines, numbers, all sorts of things to summarize your data and make it look pretty, um, which in my opinion is far superior to the table-based layouts. Um, however, there are things you can do in the table-based layouts that you can't do in the element-based layouts, um, a lot of which Camille pointed out during her review on the detail pages last week. Um, you can now do some of those things in the detail pages, like have action buttons and different tab layouts. Um, yeah. So this is another example of like, I want a, a happy medium. Like I, I use the full screen calendar, uh, timeline and list. Um, grid isn't an option, but I use the full screen like list all the time. It's like one of the first interface pages that my team sees because it's like, here's all of your projects, click into a project to get more information, right? Um, I like that I can see a bunch of stuff at once. However, sometimes, like for it, given this example, right, you have a video tracker, all of your list of videos. What if I just want a little description that says, this thing is filtered by X, Y, and Z, or make sure that you fill out this information, blah, 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 blah. You can't put a description anywhere on this page to Ali's point, which would be real easy in something like any of these pre-made old views or blank, right? You just design it from scratch. Uh, but I'd be able to bring in a text component that says, here's what you got to do to uh, fill it off. Um, I just want, I want a happy medium. I want to see a bunch of stuff at once. And sometimes I, I, I bring this up a lot, but like the, you can't take away charts. <laughs> like I know that they're very rudimentary, they don't do a lot of what I want them to do now. And I believe we've, we've gone at length about how charts in your table are pretty like bare bones, basic, but you can't take them away. No. Like I can't imagine having um, interfaces be originally a replacement of dashboards in the data view. Um, and then now it's just sort of pretty way to look at 
stuff, right? But not getting any sort of detail. I think you'd be losing that entirely if you go with just these as they're presented today. If you keep this and then add a section on it that I can add a chart, add description, add numbers or any of the other element types that are not currently available for them, then that would feel like a happy medium. But like, as it is, no, I, I want both. <laughs> they have they have different use cases entirely. And uh, I'm not gonna miss the drag and drop system that is currently in place now. I think it's finicky and weird. A lot of people have trouble. If you have essential tremors in your hands, good luck, I'm sorry. But it's not, it's not a good system for moving stuff on the page. It's the ability to have that stuff on the page, I think, is the critical piece that would be missing. I don't care how you let me do it, but I need to be able to do this. Yeah, exactly. I need a combination. I need to be able to, like, what if I want a summary at the top of the numbers? Yeah. Like, or a description, like you said, it's... They, uh, we want a happy medium. I totally agree. Yeah. 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 All of them should just be templates, starting templates, you know, and then you go from there. Mm -hmm. And before I forget, this thing, the record review, this element type that only exists in this template, it has never made its way into anything else. You can't take that away. Yeah. <laughs> because no, no other element meet this criteria um everything on like this right hand page is it feels like it's a detail page right before detail pages right. were a thing this was all you had you had you select one project and then you place individual elements that are details of that project you had but for all other things including this one what if i don't want to see a whole bunch of stuff i only need the name of the project and all of the details I want pulled up on a detail page. Right now, it's not, there's not a good parallel for that because it takes up only a little bit of your space or the entire screen where you mm -hmm. want to flip through multiple projects. So losing record review in particular, I would be extraordinarily upset about. So That's probably the one just, I use the most. It's great. It's the only, it, it is bizarre to me that it's like, they, they, this was there when interfaces launched, if I'm remembering correctly, they yeah. built yeah. like a pretty dang useful component and then never used it again. I think that's so bizarre. So Decision-making is, is odd sometimes. Yeah. Absolutely. Yep. So yeah, that, so according to this, um, it says while they are still currently available, which you could imply means they may not be in the future. <laughs> we invite you to try the new ones. So we need an answer our table. What does this mean? Yeah. If I were to interpret that sentence, it sounds like they're going to remove them as selectable options when you create a new one at some point. Um, I don't necessarily know if they're like going to delete or convert any pages you've already built, but it seems like they're taking, they're planning to take away the ability to create new ones. However, if that's the case, you got to bring that functionality. I don't want to lose that functionality. Yeah. I really don't. Yeah, let's hope not. All right, moving on, going to the built-on-air Slack community. Refresh here. Let's see what we've got. Okay, this is a good question. Um, so Heather's asking, this filter is not working. I want to see records where a formula field contains air or any part of the word air, but the filter doesn't seem to be reading that. So this is a good reminder of um, if your formula is saying error, it, it's not the actual output of the formula itself. Like that's, so you can't use that for filtering or formulas or something. So mm -hmm. it behaves differently, the error message. Yeah. Yeah. And Mecca, Mecca answers that. 
Mm-hmm. So, yeah, the real question is, yeah, what what is actually causing it? But I think that's interesting to point out. She was trying to filter and show only ones. So you could use the is air, I guess you could use is air if you wanted to figure out a way to to filter ones that have an air. Absolutely. Yeah. My, my preference is to always make sure that there are no errors. So I, I just have it be blank. If it's going to be an error, just use an if statement to, and we, I went over this in a segment, uh, I think earlier this season or at the end of last, like with best practices with formula writing, just yeah. if you have a date field, make sure you're wrapping it in an if statement before you format it, stuff like that, so that you don't get the error as a result. Yeah. Yep. So a good reminder there. Next one, let's refresh. Okay, this is a, a show and tell. Uh, retriggering automations for when record enters view. So I often use a view to fire off automations. This is from Russell. It means I can open that view and monitor as the records are processed and then leave the view when they're done. Sometimes this data changes quickly and automation actually needs to fire again, but because it didn't leave the view after the first run, it's stuck there. For these types of view triggered automation, add a field to decide whether they should fire right now or wait. So this is good, um, good discussion. And and I knew Kavan would jump in. I know she has strong opinions on the now functionality. Me too. Yeah. Yeah. So this is a good thread to just, in theory, it's a good idea. Um, Just be careful about doing things like this. You want to talk about that? Yeah. Now is a very, very expensive formula in that if you have a lot of data, it's going to slow down your database significantly. Um, It has to reevaluate itself. It doesn't actually happen instantly. It happens, I think, every what, 10 to 15 minutes or so, maybe every five minutes. Um, but every time that happens, it needs to go through every single record in that table and reevaluate. And then any formulas that are driven off of that also need to reevaluate. So it can cause a significant amount of lag. Um, my other thing is I get like the triggering off of a record in a view, I find a lot less secure because you can really easily accidentally forget you're on that view and change the filters. So what I like to do is I always use when a record matches conditions because that's far less likely for somebody to mess with and accidentally change. You can still create a view with the conditions that match. So you can still watch them as they trigger and leave and enter. Um, but you're not relying on those filters staying the same, especially if you're sharing a database with other people or if you're very forgetful like me and forget that that's the view that your automation is watching. Um, those are my two cents. Yeah, and, I, uh, and it, just, just be sorry, Dan. Just yesterday I was dealing with an automation that, um, you know, end user said it's not working because it's uh, – it's a daily digest. It gives them the same information every time. And the automation that created the information that goes into the digest was working perfectly fine. But the uh, automation that sent out the digest was looking at a view who had its filters changed. So it was basically every record in the table got sent every single day. And that's why it didn't seem like anything was working. So yeah, especially reminded that sometimes using a view is not stable and if you do need to use a view like sometimes if you're looking like that exact automation that camille's talking about where you have to find the records in a view which is the only way to have them sorted the way that you want them sorted unfortunately um best practice is to lock it down make sure it's locked and put a little description saying an automation is watching this view to deter yourself and other people from accidentally changing the filters (laughs) No. Or if you trust yourself and no one else, make it your personal view so it hides from everyone else. Yes. But to Russell's point, this is a good way to solve for um, those odd times where sometimes an automation triggers so fast, it does end up, you know, staying there and not allowing itself to re-trigger. 
another option would be maybe to use a cron job. I have certain things that does involve having two different automations, but I have like one set up when the conditions are met. And then I have another one that runs every 15 minutes to check for any that have lagged or errored um, and runs a script to recalculate or readdress those. There's a question from uh, Alicia, would there be a way to easily find out if now is being used in any formulas in a base? Great question. I think Airtable can tell you if you pester them enough. That happened for me with an enterprise client, but other than that, I don't think so. I feel like there was one scripting environment that gave you formula text, but I'm not sure that's the case. There's a I don't think there there is a secret, there's a backdoor secret um, if you build a, a custom extension. Mm. But uh, okay. that would be the only way yeah. that I'm aware of. Yep. Okay. So there's an undocumented. Yeah, I okay, that feels weird. It's not not even the metadata APR. No, I don't think so. It just tells you what fields it references, not. Yeah. Well, that's useful, but not you know like formula text. Yeah. It feels like that'd be easier to do. Just give me the text of the formula. Yeah. Right. Whatever. Uh, yeah, so I guess the answer is not really, unless you want to get into coding in React. Yeah. Which feels like overkill. Yeah. Real mm -hmm. quick, before we move on, Ali, your, your idea of using the match on conditions, mm -hmm. that essentially, if I remember correctly, that essentially almost works like a hidden view, right? So if it matches the conditions, it'll trigger it. And then if it unmatches, and then matches again, it'll re-trigger. Exactly. Right? Yes. Yep. You you do have a little bit less control over like compound um, right. comparisons. Like in a view, you can say and or and or in mm -hmm. conditional groups and whatnot. With uh, matches conditions, you're limited to either and or or, and you can't mix and match. But if you have very simple conditions, then you know use that one probably. And sometimes I'll just put them all into a formula and then just have my conditions yeah. be, if, if this formula is not empty, then trigger. Yep. So. Yeah. All right. Very good. Move on. Little uh, comedy break, just because this is too real. <laughs> now we'll see who wrote this terrible code. It was myself. Yeah. I love Ben Bailey's comment. I'm in this picture and I don't like it. <laughs> yeah. Yep. I think we can all relate. That's funny. Yes. Yeah. Yes, we can. <laughs> Thank you, Justin, for the comedy relief. All right. Okay, Camille, you found something. Now seeing the ability to insert the URL for a record. Explain yourself. So I can't, I, I, I sometimes this happens with Airtable. They'll release a feature and it will slowly roll out like everywhere rarely is like a feature available for everyone every single base all at once at the time i wrote this i saw it in one base and then went to a different base in, in the same workspace i think so same plan level and, and everything and didn't see it but what i did see was um in an automation you have the ability to um for whatever record triggered a your automation or if you're using a reoccurring list um, pulled off a list of records, it would originally give you the option to insert the record URL, which would bring you to some view in the base data view. And what I saw was you now had two options, that or a specific detail page in interfaces. So it gave you um, a list of the detail pages for that table the record originates from and you'd be able to select between them. So that's useful if you um, are sending like a digest email, for instance, and the people who have access to those records are only invited to the interface and not the base. Now you can, you know, just send them directly to the record in the interface. So they can actually look at things rather than creating a formula field that inserts the record ID, et cetera. So um, I'm not sure if the rollout has progressed since I saw it then. Um, but yeah, it's useful. 
Yeah. Okay. Mm -hmm. Very good. All right. Um, just last one. This one's just kind of more a cool uh, thing. Um, Justin posted that, that the iOS app um, broke with an update. And um, then at the end, Mark, who works at Airtable, mentions that they just put out a new um, release that fixed that issue. So I'd like to think that it was because of the built-on air's influence, built-on air community's influence. So they got that fix, hopefully. Maybe I'm sure they, they noticed it as well, but good to see that uh, people at Airtable are listening to our community and um, updating us when changes are happening. Yeah, because it from the sound of it, it was like broken, broken. Like you couldn't, you couldn't open a, a linked record, which is fairly substantial. So glad that was fixed. Yeah. All right, that concludes our Around the Bases. At this point, Camille and Ali are gonna get busy working. Uh, I'm gonna take over the show for a bit while they are busily working on their um, perspective. And so I gave them a base and they're gonna review it. Um, I forgot to mention this, but bonus points for interface um, improvements that you make to it, unless you, unless you weren't going that route. You can go a different route, that's fine. But uh, if, you, if you have other ideas, that's cool as well. Um, so they're going to be working on that. And then I'm going to be walking through the next. So next, we're going to talk about OntoAir. And OntoAir had some interesting news this last week. Um, so if you are on our mailing list, if you're a customer or ever once signed up um, for OntoAir, you likely got an email from me last week talking about some changes that are happening with OntoAir. So I thought I'd address those um, for a second on the on air as OntoAir is our primary sponsor. Um, so OntoAir started two, uh, maybe four years ago. Um, it started inside of Zapier actually is where OntoAir started. We had um, products that, well, we had a, a connector for Airtable that was better than the Zapier connector. And this was before interfaces. And it's evolved a ton over the years. We've launched um, six or seven different apps. Some of those apps have already been sunsetted because they weren't getting used. Um, but we did have several apps that, that were getting we had very, very um, strong customers, but for a variety of reasons, we, we made a you know, fairly difficult decision. We did not take this lightly, but um, decided that we needed to focus. We had just too many different um, strategies and apps pulling us in different directions. Each of those really required um, dedicated staff that we just could not um, finance with where we were at in our company. And so we, we made the difficult decision to sunset all of our apps except for backups. And going forward, OntoAir is going to focus on backups. Um, we'll expand backups to do more. Actually, I, I, we talked briefly earlier about digital asset management. Um, that's likely where we're going to address um, uh, some of the some of the issues of Airtable and, and and make some improvements on that front, but backups is is core to that. Managing your assets, making sure that they're backed up, and kind of solving um, issues around around your your data and your assets and and how to um, better utilize them in Airtable. So going forward, that is going to be our focus. Um, if you remember the last four weeks, I only addressed backups just because I knew that this change was coming and didn't want to be promoting our other apps. We'd actually shut off new customers from using it about a month ago, using any of the apps. And um, just want to say thank you to all the customers that, that were using OntoAir. I've gotten very positive feedback. I was very worried about you know, um, upsetting people's workflows. We have companies that rely on it pretty extensively to run their business and they've been understanding. I know it's a difficult um, process to have to change your, your, your workflows and things like that. But just want to say thank you to those that have supported us um, to this point and really have appreciated the, the response that I've gotten from, from most people. 
I can't say 100%, but most people have been have been very supportive. And so thank you. Um, and going forward, we'll, we'll focus on solving that backup solution. That's always been our top um, producing app, our, our most popular app, and kind of solves a, a need that I think we can address with the resources that we have and, and availability that we have going forward. So that is the update on Ontware. If you have any questions or concerns, or if this is news to you, you didn't get my email, um, feel free. I am available to to speak through and, and help people through that transition. So if you're using forms, we highly recommend fill out. That's where we're sending people. Um, check your email. There's a coupon code to, for Ontware customers to um, or users to, to take advantage of a discount. If you're using our documents, um, we're working, we, we're, we've partnered with Document as well as Docs Automator two document management solutions, um, both very solid. So similarly, there's there's uh, transition plans for both of those. So check the email or reach out to us and we'll help you um, with those transitions. But both, all three of those partners are, are, uh, are providing um, transition packages and, and support to help with that transition. So thank you to those partners and for, for your support on, uh, on helping out the Ontario customers. So, and Scott, I agree, it's never a bad idea to focus in one direction. So that is what we're doing. All right, for my first um, spotlight, we're gonna talk about Automate Create. So this comes from um, actually the, the Built On Air community. Jackie Money says, need some help. And she puts a, a loom together and this isn't so much about, you know, what her specific issue is, but it looks like it's related to um, this issue with, uh, with attachments um, or if you're doing any kind of like document creation. Um, so like if you're using the, the doc, um, the Google doc integration within automations. Sometimes you need your automation to just wait a, a minute for a, or a second for um, for the process to end. So if you've ever uploaded an attachment, you know you have to wait a couple seconds for the attachment to actually be ready. Um, I've used that. And so I'm going to walk through how you can um, insert a pause into your automation so you can wait um, and give something time to to process or or be ready before you're gonna move on to do something with it. And so they don't have a built-in, um, they don't have a built-in um, pause step. So what we're gonna do here is, oops, um, we have our people table. So this is just a basic example. And we're gonna have a form where you're just creating a new person and you're gonna upload a, a headshot of that person and we want to know the status of, of that headshot. And there's a couple ways to do this. I used to do this a little bit different. There was more um, exact, but something changed in Airtable that didn't allow it. So I actually changed to, I think Kavan um, suggested to, to put a, a weight in the automation. So what we're gonna do is on this form, um, when you upload an attachment uh, or submit the form, um, we're going to update the status. So this won't be on the form and we actually don't need any of this stuff. So we'll just give a name and a headshot. And then we're going to have an automation that when this form is submitted, um, we want to update the, the status of the head of the headshot via the automation. And so by default, um, it will be, the status will be initial. And then we're going to set it to processing when we start the process and then done once the once the delay is over. So then we know that that the headshot is ready to be used. So if you have another automation that uses that headshot in some way, um, you can wait until the status is done instead of when it's created. So you can wait for, for this status to get to done. So this that would require two automations. So let's um, set up our automation. I'm going to call it sleep because we're going to sleep for a second. So basically what we're going to say is on the people table, um, 
actually we'll just do created. So this one is going to run once the record is created. Um, and on the people table, just do that. And then now we're going to add here. So in order to implement a pause, first of all, what we're going to do is um, we're going to update the record and we're going to set the um, we're going to set the uh, the status to oops. We're going to set the status to um, to processing. So now we know that we're in the middle of waiting. So it kind of gives us a, a, a visual if you happen to be looking at the data. And go on there. So that's now processing from initial. And then now we're gonna we're gonna put a pause in here. So in order to do a pause, we do need to implement a script. So you gotta do the run script logic. And I'm gonna copy over my sleep function and I'll explain what this does. So it's a fairly simple um, sleep. So this function right here um, is because you can't, um, this, this basically actually does, um, I can't remember why I didn't use async or no wait, maybe those didn't work in here. Um, but there's a couple ways in JavaScript, like if you've ever done JavaScript in a browser, there's a set timeout, but you can't use that function inside of here. So um, I went with this approach and now I can't remember why I didn't use, there, there's another way you could do it using promises in JavaScript, um, but maybe that didn't work and that's why I needed to do this. So basically this is not good, like this is not best practice, but I think this is what, what works. Um, cause this basically this while loop, it runs continually. And so it's actually a do while, um, so what this means is it's going to update the current date with, with what the timestamp is now. And if, um, the current date minus the, the date of when we started is less than the milliseconds, then keep doing this loop. So it basically will sleep. It'll basically be processing um, for the amount of milliseconds that you pass in to this function. And so milliseconds is one, 1,000 milliseconds is one second. So this right here means we're gonna sleep for 10 seconds because it's 10,000 uh, milliseconds. So this will basically just continually be processing inside of here over and over and over until um, the 10 seconds have passed. And then it will continue and it will end this function and then move on. So we're gonna just put an output of when we start and then when we end, just to kind of see that it took 10 seconds to process. So if I test that, this will take 10 seconds, this is gonna run. And the one thing that I'll say is, um, automation scripts can only run for 30 seconds. So you can't sleep for more than 30 seconds. Otherwise the automation will, will um, stop. And so now you see that took 10 seconds and we have our start time at 43 seconds and then our end time at 53 seconds. So it worked. So it took 10 seconds for this to, um, to run. And so, <clears throat> Now that step is, now we're gonna add one more step to update the record and update the same record ID. And then we're gonna just update the, um, the uh, status to done. And now that's going to work. So if we turn this on, what we'll see is, um, and I'm gonna just, um, yeah, I'm gonna do, I'm gonna change this. And we're running out of time, so I'm not gonna change it. Okay, <laughs> um, so I'm gonna fill out this form real fast. And we're just gonna do a headshot. 
on this file. There we go. Let's do a web shirt. Um, who do I feel like today? I feel like Tom Cruise. Okay. And now when I submit this, and if I go back to the data, let's look at the data. So now it's processing. So this should be processing for 10 seconds. And then it should switch to done after 10 seconds. So that gives enough time for that image to do the conversion. And then there it goes after 10 seconds. So that's how you implement a pause in your automation. So just a little bit of code. We'll make that available. Um, and uh, Scott, your question, it's each script is my understanding. So each step is 30 seconds. So you could have multiple steps that each ran 30 seconds. So yeah, so you could add multiple steps if you needed to sleep to wait longer, I guess. All right, that concludes that one. How are we doing? Are we ready? Or you need more time? I can do it. <laughs> I can go on. I could. I could take a, a minute, talk real briefly on web clipping, unless you're ready to go. You want a minute? Maybe one minute. Okay, let's talk yeah. about web clipper. Okay, while they're finishing up, um, web clipper is the top. Um, is it's the it's the extension that I use the most. Um, I use it for this this uh, show. I'll show you how I do that. So basically what it is, you have to install it into your base and then there's a Chrome extension and it'll provide you the link to install the Chrome extension. Um, this is what the Chrome extension looks like. It brings up this sidebar and then you can have multiple um, clippings that will basically allow you to, it's almost like a mini form inside your Chrome browser um, that allows you to fill out a form and then submit and create a new record. <coughs> and so this is how I use um, this is how I use the the built-on air links that we're talking about. So the round the bases, um, it does some cool stuff. So if I'm on any website, it automatically puts the URL into this field, and then it has a dropdown of where I'm pulling it from, and then there's more information I can put on it. And then this just automatically creates a new record inside of um, my table. So how it works is I go over to extensions. So you install it and then it shows up in here and then you just configure what fields you want on that um, pop-up and they link to fields in your base. And then it also has some information where um, the default value can be the page URL, the page title, um, or your selected text, or you can even use CSS if you're familiar with CSS. Um, oh, that didn't show. That's interesting. It doesn't show on the video, but I'm actually clicking the drop down, and there's a list of options in for this default value. Um, and um, so if you're familiar with CSS and how to like select an HTML element, you can use that. So you can actually use it almost as like a scraper, a manual scraper. Um, I've seen people do it like on LinkedIn, you could scrape the, the person's information that you're looking at. Things like that um, are pretty cool. So um, it's tied to the user that you're logged in with. And um, so that kind of can be confusing, but it's very useful to get data into um, Airtable that you're browsing the internet for. So highly recommend Web Clipper and um, installing that and using it. So with that, we've got a few minutes. Um, quick shout out, join our community, builtonair.com slash join. We just passed 1500 users in our Slack community. So now we're going for 2000. So tell your friends to join us in the, in the Slack community on the podcast, subscribe to the YouTube channel. We'd love to have you join. All right, we're ready for a competition. Ali and Camille, who wants to go first? I can go. I okay. I was gonna <laughs> say, I didn't do much. So. <laughs> I'll first uh, tell you the. I gave them a mouse colony template from the universe. So 
dealing with mice in a uh, university setting. That's what they get to play with. <laughs> Yay. All right, Ali, you're up. All right. Um, so yeah, I, like Camille, I also did not do much, but I discovered something that I was annoyed with about interface charts. <laughs> which yeah, is so did I, Ali. <laughs> <laughs> That's where all my time went. I know, right? I'm like, oh no. Um, so one thing I did when I came in and I noticed um, basically the originally this column, um, the primary field in both this table was originally named weight tracker and the primary field was just a date, which was not um, unique. So you can see that they've got 624 several times, 71 several times, and that was the primary field. So I duplicated that date field, moved it over and wrote a formula to concatenate um, the mouse number with the date. So that way everything is unique on this table because um, that is best practice when using primary fields in Airtable. Um, another thing I noticed is that they had two tables. They had weight tracker and this fed blood glucose table, which essentially had exactly the same fields with the exception of this one had a place for glucose numbers and the weight tracker had a place for weight numbers. So I combined those into one table and added a field called data type where I've got the weight tracker and then the fed blood glucose data as something separate. And the reason I did that is so that you can use an interface page. Not only is it like, you know, you've got the same fields on every table. So if I wanted to start adding something to this one, I'd have to go to the other one and add it too. Um, but in an interface, this allows you to actually filter all of it by, if I want to see just the data for the male mice, um, then that will let me see the weight data and charts and the glucose data and charts filtered at the same time. Whereas if they're on two different tables, you would need to have two different filters, one for the glucose, one for the weight. Um, but what I noticed, and I'm sure that this is what Camille noticed as well, is in the base, they have these lovely scatter plots, which look awesome. Um, and they're grouped by the genotype of the mice. But in the interface, you cannot group a scatter plot. <laughs> and that is a huge bummer. Um, another thing that they have is on the glucose ones, they've got um, uh, the averages, the mean of the glucose. So this would be the average glucose levels per genotype. Um, you can't group a chart that has averages either. So this looks really nice with the pretty colors, but if you want something by the average, you lose the ability to group and everything has to be the same color. Um, so that's where I found my annoyances, but I do like that you can now filter it all at the same time and all the data will change accordingly. That's what I got. <laughs> nice. Good insight there. All right, Camille. So really quickly, something I noticed, there was a uh, checkbox uh, that's just, are they diabetic in uh, the mice table? And then um, I didn't combine the tables, but you probably should based on uh, Ali's observations that they're effectively the same table. Mm -hmm. um, I added a couple of different fields uh, to get the uh, roll up of the latest date for any particular mouse. Um, and then a formula that says, is this um, log the latest output for that particular mouse? And then back in the mice table, I was able to get another field that's uh, saying whether or not based on the latest data we have available for that mouse, is that mouse diabetic rather than it just being a regular check mark. Um, and then with more time, you might have an automation that says when this becomes, goes from normal to diabetic, then click this check and vice versa. So keeping those automated while giving you the ability to check for ones that don't have any logs yet. And then really quickly, um, I built a, uh, you know, using the full screen, 
um, in face they don't have a record name for mouse. So I chose people. <laughs> it was fun. Um, and then uh, something that one might do, um, laying out all of you know the information for a particular mouse at a particular time, and then using the linked records for um, both the glucose and the weight tracker as this is the list view. So it just, you know, like we said earlier, it looks pretty, it's nice and clean. Um, you'd be able to filter and, um, and all that if I had those enabled. But if you combine the tables like Ali did, you would now be able to group by um, record type using that uh, field that Ali added. So you'd still be able to do the same thing um, with slightly less verticals. So that's all I've got. Very love good, it. good stuff. I love it. You can, in 10, 10, 15 minutes, you can uh, improve upon a base and get some insight on how the experts work. So thank you, Ali and Camille. And that is a wrap for today. Thank you for joining us on the Built On Air podcast. We will see you next week. Yay, thank you. for joining today's episode. We hope you enjoyed it. Be sure to check out our sponsor ontair.com and we will see you next time on the Built on Air podcast.